Let's pray before I start. Father God, we thank you that you sent Jesus Christ. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us now. Convict our hearts, Lord. Restore and renew us. Set us free that we may live life and life in abundance. Amen. Amen. Uh, so we are looking at Isaiah. Isaiah Lintz, um Christmas and Easter quite well in, uh, when you read for it. We have those great Christmas carol readings that are in Isaiah, things like Isaiah 9, which you would have heard over the carol services. Um, but we also have the, the suffering servant motif come to, to fruition in Isaiah. Um, this idea that the Messiah is going to come and die for us and in death somehow defeat sin and restore us to new and full life, um, which that's the Easter story. So we are studying Isaiah between now and Easter, uh, with the exception of Candlemas, where we'll do a Christingle service. So uh, do come along the first Sunday in February and light some candles and eat and try and burn the raisins. Don't burn the raisins. Um, eat the pieces of fruit off the orange. I don't understand Christingles, really. Um, first of all, um, it's a new year. Who's made any New Year's resolutions? Who's made some New Year's resolutions? Anyone? Who was a, do you want to share your New Year's resolution? No? no. William does. William, what's your New Year's resolution? Sorry? To buy more toy hedgehogs. To, 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 to buy more toy hedgehogs. To buy more toy hedgehogs. <laughs> your dad looks particularly dazed by that. To buy more hedgehogs. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, any other New Year's resolutions? I have a theory that we're becoming a post-resolution culture. How many people haven't made a New Year's resolution? Yeah, see, this is it. I, I, I was wondering if this was just a stage of life that I was in that I stopped making resolutions, or if it's something that's sneaking in through society. I think New Year's resolutions may start be dying out for some reason. I'm not quite sure why that is. But this time, time of year is this traditional time where we make commitments to change something about our lives, to live a bit better. Uh, there's also various things of uh, veganary, I can't pronounce it, the, the, or dry January, or various ways that we try to make a commitment for a period of time to make our lives slightly better. I think there's a concern here that this is what we start to think the Christian faith is like. The problem is then it's also very easy to give up. What, you don't give up for Lent? Normally I give up my New Year's resolution for Lent. <laughs> uh, this passage in Isaiah starts with the fact there is something wrong with the world. And this is why we sometimes make resolutions, isn't it? Because we recognize that sometimes our lives aren't quite right, that we want to change something about our lives. And this Isaiah passage starts with the fact that there is something wrong. It Actually, this opening passage is shaped like a court case. Uh, it starts with an oath. God says through Isaiah, Oh, by the heavens, oh, by the earth. It, it, that repeats the oaths that they would have made at the time. It starts as a trial. But Isaiah doesn't start with the problems of the world being individual people getting it wrong. He starts with the macro problems. He starts with the fact that the creation is broken. 
The rhetoric starts from macro and gets more and more detailed as you go through. If you read through the whole of Isaiah 1, you see it starts off with the, the whole of the children of God, the whole of Israel, the whole of the nation has done wrong. Then it talks about the cities. And then it talks about the personal belongings of people being misused. It starts big and gets small. And I suggest to you this is the way that sin is dealt with in the Bible again and again and again. And we often get the, wrong, the, the other way around. We often focus on the little things and try to tidy around the edge. I'll stop doing that thing that I'm addicted to. I'll stop hanging around with them. And we start with those little things. We start to try to control little bits of our behavior. And that is good and right, but it's not the gospel. We also, if we focus on that as the function of sin, end up finger pointing. We end up seeing in others ways of life that aren't biblical, ways of life that aren't right, and we point those out. And whenever we point out the sin of others, Jesus tells us when we see the speck in someone else's eye, we don't see the log in our own eye. We are revealed as hypocrites. When we point out and stand in judgment over others, we only show the fact that we are broken ourselves. And that comes across as hypocritical, because it is. When Jesus is announced in John's Gospel, it's not the small behaviours that he's, he's announced to tackle. It says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of... In fact, the, the Greek is, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the cosmos, the whole of creation. Jesus comes not just to change around the edges, but take away all the sin of all of creation. It's not behold the Lamb of God who teaches us some good life lessons, although he does. Not behold the Lamb of God who teaches us how to live, who advises us on the everyday, but that Jesus announced to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our primary understanding of the person and role of Jesus is one who rips our sin away from us, who tears our sin apart from us, who removes our wrongdoings completely and others' wrongdoings to us and removes the very brokenness of creation from our being. That when we place ourselves in Jesus, sin is completely destroyed in us. Yes, we still need some sanctification and work to do. Yes, we still need to change and improve. and We need to dwell in these scriptures and go back again and again and hope the Holy Spirit transforms us. But fundamentally, when we're in Jesus, he has died our death already and set us free. Touching the edge of these ropes won't kill us anymore because we're in Jesus. To really stretch the metaphor. The Isaiah passage that we read now said, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I think sometimes we think Christianity is about making New Year's resolutions. And maybe that works sometimes. 
you know, we got through some of these holes. There's an addiction I really need to break. It's, I, I can feel it killing myself. Okay, yeah, I've survived that. I'm all right now. I'm safe. But the reason we chose lots of people is you can't defeat all the holes. You can't get through all the gaps. Something's going to catch you out. You are no match for sin. You are no match for all the wrongness of the world. You are not going to defeat it. At some point, you're going to get stuck the wrong side of this net. You cannot get through it. And church, we have been trying hard. And I see us broken and upset and destroyed by the fact that again and again and again, we celebrate one little victory and then find ourselves defeated in another way. Yes, we need to live better. Yes, we need to obey God. But fundamentally, we need to give up and let Jesus do it. I reckon many of us here think that what Jesus does is he teaches us to get through the holes in a better way. Or maybe he, he opens the hole a bit more or, or cheats like Nally did and bends, bends, this, bends this in. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't help us get from one side of the sin to another. I've put this slightly too far away. <laughs> but rather what Jesus does is he cuts this apart. He completely destroys the power of sin over our life. No longer are we defined by that addiction that we have. No longer are we defined by the fact that some of our relationships are broken. No longer are we defined by the fact that we are sinners, but rather we are children of God and we can walk straight through. We are all entangled in a web of sin, but Jesus tears it apart. Dying, he died. He died our death. Rising, he gives us new life. A full, complete life, which we don't have to struggle with. That's what's on offer to you. The question is, will you accept it? It does say in the passage, if you're willing and obedient... And that's not if you're willing and obedient to to get through the sin, but it's if you want to be with Jesus, if you want to have Jesus in your life. It's not a work of us to defeat sin. It's a work of God. But we have a role to play. I quite like Nicky Dumble's um, three things. He says there's three things you need to do to become a Christian. One thing the church does, one thing God does, and one thing you do. It's three things that need to happen. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins and to be risen to new life. God's done his part. The church baptizes you and welcomes you into the body of Christ. And being in the body of Christ is also how we know life and life in its fullness. And thirdly, you choose to trust God, to be in Christ, to have him at the center of your life as Lord, as kin, and as priest. So my prayer is that you will know that Christ has defeated sin completely and that you will choose to be in him in 2020 and beyond. Amen.